Hello, and welcome to GameCast, the official gaming discussion podcast of TSB Gamers. I'm your host, James Vincent, joined by my fellow community members, Frisk and Wasber. How are you guys doing today? Hello. Glad to have you guys back on the show so quickly. It's uh, We had to take a bit of a break given all the chaos in our lives, but we are back and I'm excited to create some new episodes. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and launch into our first topic of the day, which kind of surprised me a little bit, but Epic's Games Publishing launches. Epic Games is widely known for their global success on Fortnite, but have now taken on a new venture. According to GamingStreet.com, the company, quote, announced the launch of Epic Games Publishing, a new publishing label for multi-platform content. Epic Games will be partnering with Gen Design, creators of The Last Guardian, Play Dead of Inside and Limbo, and Remedy Entertainment of Control. Gaming Street also states the platform will provide dev-friendly terms such as full intellectual property rights and creative control, while Epic will cover all development costs. Let's get our guest initial takes, starting with Frisk. Yeah, it just seems like they're just doing this to try to compete with Steam. That with how Steam ha- has that green light system, I believe, and so trying, so they're trying to kind of compete with them in that kind of uh, sort of sense, but also trying to make themselves like better. Be like, okay, we're gonna be paying for it, but in reality, in actual practice, I'm not sure. Like for example, if some guy makes like you know a stupid platformer game that doesn't that has a lot of bugs in it and just doesn't have a lot of effort into it, he would still get paid for that. It just seems like, but. I'm not really sure of that, but that's my in- initial take on it. So my whole takes, I'm. You have to remember it says up to 100% of development costs, and that they're saying the developers will receive at least 50% of the costs. Epic already doesn't have that great of a well reputation as a game company, but the problem I'm seeing is the up to and the at least. The problems is there's a lot of easy ways to get around that in their contracts. And the fact of the matter is they don't have the best reputation already. Are they going to take profits and are they going to use those profits to cover their own costs? It seems like it could be a good idea, but I would love to see the actual meat and potatoes of it instead of just, it's a what, a four paragraph little blurb that is just a little announcement. If they were really putting a whole bunch behind this, we would have seen a full page spread kind of thing. This is a little this is a little teaser and I'm wondering what they might be hiding and what they're thinking of using this to put out. Publicity stunt. Do they yes. think it's something like that? Honestly, that's what it's seeming like, but due to current things, they're not putting their full force against behind this. This is a testing the waters and maybe if they get something good out of it, then they'll put the full force behind it. But with the reputation and with gaming companies as we've seen it and the game development industry, I would be very, very worried of unreasonable deadlines and very dangerous contracts. Even the 100% intellectual property and creative control, it sounds good, but is it actually going to be a thing or is it just an advertisement and where's the little dotted line with the whole the thousand little microscopic insertions into the contract now frisk you've already brought up steam which is probably one of the more well-known publishing platforms how do you think with just steam alone can these people can epic games publishing even compete it's kind of hard to compete with them and they're they're a complete underdog in this kind of sort of sense like with Epic Games, even though Epic Games is still not a great problem. They are releasing games for free currently right now, I believe. Tomb Raider and some other stuff. Wait, it could have been Steam, but I'm not sure. But but with Steam, they can afford to do like, oh yeah, constant sales. But Epic Games, I don't think they can actually do that without losing money. But 
But because Steam is such a huge kind of platform, they can do that. And they can constantly rely on people actually like, oh yeah, like uh, going for the sales, actually buying stuff because of the amount of higher base they actually have. Because almost everyone uses Steam. I use Steam. Raspberry use Steam. I, I assume you use Steam, uh, James, because, you know, gaming community. And like in the hell, like for the primary stuff that we use, like Arma 3 or, or, or just like any other games that we play, we use Steam, and to be like an actual PC gamer, the the fundamental thing uh, platform to use is Steam, not Stadia or Epic Games. Those are secondary. Steam is kind of primary thing that you've got to have. Honestly, the only reason I use Epic Games is for the free games that they give out, and. Honestly, you're looking at somebody trying to take down their dra a dragon because Steam has been around now, what, 12, 13 years? They've got their hold on the market. And Greenlight, while it did have some issues in the beginning and I have been burned by it before, as have a lot of early users of Greenlight, don't talk about like stuff like Towns and s different ones that basically took the money and ran. Basically, my big problem with Epic Games trying to do this is I'm worried about the development teams that might get screwed by either contracts or we've seen what's been happening lately with the game develop if you do watch the game development industry i don't know if you two do but it's something i do on the side and it's basically a lot of development teams are being run into the ground burning out a lot of developers are there's a large issue of suicide and overwork and like burnout that's destroying some companies before they can get, even get off the ground because publishers have such insane ideas of what these small teams can do in a six-month period yeah the same um, issue happened with uh, when metro originally came out publishers were like oh yeah do all this for minimal amount of pay and and then like the office I work working at the boss had a expensive car I can't remember what it was while everyone else was like oh I don't know like taking the bus or just had really crappy just uh, oh, Soviet yes. air cars that made them completely almost like fed up and leave the thing uh, but I think the uh, the actual like developers actually left and then yes like I uh, got a better like publishing kind of with the deal. Uh, another yeah with a uh, better deal with it. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go off a memory of a video that I watched kind of a while ago about this. It was really interesting, but sorry, that's a bit off topic. Yeah, so yeah, definitely they're going to get burned out by this, and I feel like Epic Games is just going to, they might just take advantage of those developers be like, oh, if you can't do this in a certain amount of times, you, you won't get this, this funding. Or they like may pull one of the problems, the problematic problems of, oh, well, we might force you to put it out in this incomplete state and basically ruin the reputation of a company that's just started. I've like seen Daisy this happen. Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Daisy is a big issue. It, even with the Steam Greenlight, it's been in beta how many years now? Four or five now? There's some games I have. Oh, that, 10 years. 10 years. And I know well, that. Terraria only just left beta. Factorio's still in beta, and I've had it for six years now. Games need time, and the green light system's good because it gives them this time. It can build traction, and I do understand some people not liking them being in these build-up, but it lets them make money to allow them to build progress these games further. Well, we'll have to see where this goes. I'm starting to realize it now I'm saying that a lot, but a lot of these topics are in development. We have to see what the next step is, and then we can comment further on that. Even though I don't like Epic Games that much at all, really, especially for Fortnite and what that's done to the gaming community, best of luck to them. You're not going to defeat Steam, period.
that's my opinion on the thing and that's probably we're going to end it for <laughs> the sake of brevity on this topic so we can move on to our next topic here which is our esports surge which i think all three of us can really appreciate due to concerns of the growing pandemic sports across the united states have been shut down this past week was the opening season for major league baseball which millions of fans were disappointed to see the day come and go in response the major sports organizations have turned to esports according to north CentralPA.com, NASCAR hosted an esports race with its top drivers, drawing over 900,000 views on Fox Sports 1. The National Hockey League already has a partnership with the famed sports gaming publisher EA Sports for the NHL Gaming World Championships. Some are actually hoping that these events and the surge in esports can help fill the void left behind by real-life sporting events. Let's get our guest's initial take, starting with Wasberg. So I actually watch a large amount of esports, mostly dealing with League of Legends. And this morning when I was watching the LCK, which is something that if this is just off my own my own uh, experiences, it might get 75,000 people watching it over Twitch. But right now I just checked it is running 100 while the Rocket League championships are running 85,000. Counter-Strike Global Offensive, their league is running 72,000 all at once. Normally, one of these events would have only that number, but right now they're all running at once, and they're massive right now. So I'm thinking it's it's definitely a wake up call that esports is not just is not going away, especially for some people who don't call it a real sport. This is a big money maker, and it is a sport to a lot of fans. So my take on it, like, oh yeah, cool, people people are like getting into esports and actually like acknowledging that it's like esports is actually almost a real sport. But I, I kind of consider it a real sport in the sort of sense. Because people practice like, almost every day on, on like, how, how to get good at the game. And I think it's uh, pretty good. Pretty good. And also, like, the, with the U.S., you got to feel that void somehow. Because we be really competitive with, with our sports. Because that's the only thing that can get us, like, get us through the day. Be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to the sports game. And look, well, make, looking forward for the spot, uh, ball to go and stuff like that. So, and this whole issue, to, at least to me, seems like there's a growing appreciation for the field of esports. It's been growing over the past couple of years, but it seems like this might be the pinnacle of, hey, we're here and we can entertain you guys during this time of grief and pain. Honestly, I think this is basically putting the nail in the coffin that is going to blow up these sports. We might have major news networks starting to show these sports, these like even the World League World Championship. And it's if these networks are going to pay attention, even just to the money, it's going to make esports big. And it doesn't hurt that you can do these things. These sports can be done from home. And it's going to let people stay entertained in this current climate. All right. Well, we will hope for the best and hope that everybody who is going through this current time, best of luck to everybody during this very difficult time worldwide. Before we move into our final topic of the night, we would like to invite you, the listener, to join the TSB Gamers community. TSB Gamers is a community by gamers for gamers on any system for any video game. We only ask that you are 18 or older to join and accept our code of conduct. For more information and to join, please visit tsbgamers.org. That's tsbgamers.org. And our final topic for tonight is the next-gen BioWare title. The next addition to one of BioWare's prestigious franchises may be on the verge of development. Fans of the next-gen PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, which has yet to be released, were teased by a job opening for a technical director on the next project with no 
series title mention. Express.co.uk's article on the matter says the most likely scenario is Dragon Age 4, which, quote, recent earnings call revealed is scheduled for a 2022 release. There is still possibility that the title may be related to Mass Effect or even Knights of the Old Republic. Frisk, what is your take, sir? Don't really keep up with console games, so I don't really care on the matter, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, cool, they're teasing something to to have. Oh yeah, something's big is gonna be coming out, you you better pay attention. And also, we need a software developer, or like the uh, title, whatever he said, was like that they're having opening for. We're having that manager just be like, oh yeah, maybe if you're, if you want to be a cover manager, you have these requirements and maybe even you, the gamer, can become part of the development process or something like that. I don't know. I'm interested, obviously. I've played both Dragon Age and Mass Effect. I really wish they can pull something new for Mass Effect out, but I doubt it with what happened with Andromeda and Mass Effect 3. I don't think they're going to... They might, if they're desperate, try and do a remastered or maybe something that's not dealing with the main timeline with Mass Effect. But if it's a new Dragon Age, I'm all for it. Honestly, the fact that it might be teased or it might be an entirely new series that with their big, with a new RPG style like they've been doing, who knows? You mentioned Mass Effect Andromeda, which received a mixed review from both critics and fans. Is it even worth bringing a new title to Mass Effect at this point with that kind of, not to say failure, but that scenario in place? Well, with the fact that we didn't see Mass Effect Andromeda or 3 on Steam kind of leaving us PC users to dry, it kind of makes it so they're really focusing on the consoles. And honestly, I think they've kind of wrung Mass Effect dry. They might have little side projects, but I don't think a big AAA game is going to come out of Mass Effect universe. I'm kind of surprised if they would do a Mass Effect game. Why would you be surprised? Uh, because I thought the series was bad. When was the last game that it came out? Well, I don't know, like four years ago? Like five? I assume like, the series is dead by now, to be honest. It's not uh, dead see. in fans' minds, but Andromeda definitely killed a lot of the hype. It, Andromeda did come out in 2017, so actually only three years. Actually, a week ago it would have been three years old. Yep, came out initial release date March 21st, 2017. And there was a lot of hype for Andromeda, and they didn't deliver for Andromeda, which is kind of where why I don't think we're going to see another Mass Effect title unless it is supposed to be off of one of the three canon endings from 3, and everybody knows what the backlash from 3 was like, unless you weren't around for that time. Let's just say the fans rioted big time. I saw online how they rioted on, on that, but I never really played in the Mass Effect games, to be honest. Or I might be putting myself on blast here, but yeah. I will say as, as a gamer who really focuses on the story of a video game, not so much on the play style, like I will never play God of War, for instance. But hey, Christopher Judge is voicing Kratos. I'm going to sit down and watch all of those cutscenes. When I watched Mass Effect... I was incredibly disappointed at the ending. I don't know how you feel, Rosberg, but Mass Effect 3 was a disappointment at the very end for me. Oh, it they piped it up. They built that 3, three up v massively, and it was a complete and total letdown. 
basically they had three games of build-up, three games of story that, and some of it they did cut for time reasons. I understand that some of the stuff that could have made it better. It let's just leave that alone. As a fan, I'm not going to get into that because that's not the point of the podcast. If they want to do anything with the Mass Effect universe again, they've got a lot of work to do to make any of the fans trust them, especially after Andromeda and massively after three. Would you say it had a mass effect? Uh, I had to throw it in there. You know what? You know what? Podcast canceled. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. It have a very large effect that broke a lot of people's trust with with BioWare. Honestly, what I'm actually looking forward to is I did hear some rumors that BioWare might this is a very big might be redoing Star Wars The Knights of the Old Republic games. Right, and that is the alternative scenario, or one of the three alternative scenarios for this upcoming release title, whatever Bioware may be creating in their secret little passages, their own development company. Be massively hyped. It would be massively hyped? Oh yes, there's a law, very large community that still goes back and plays the games. Those games are modded to hell and back, and a lot of people are just even just for re- remastering. Un- unless they pulled a Blizzard with Warcraft three, they would definitely get sell a lot of copies if they remade those. All right. Well, again, we'll just have to wait and see what this title is. I doubt we will hear anything. Of- until the next year regarding what this project is especially with all the various conventions canceled we'll have to keep our eyes out on the various youtubes and video streams to see what this new project will be and that is of course where we'll wrap up for today thanks to our guests frisk and wasper for joining us today yeah thank, thank you. you very much but i want to I, I have a one little topic i want to sneak in so do internal and animal crossing same release date what you guys take on that this is my podcast now I'm going to ask you guys. I'm going to ask you no, guys. Uh, well, this this is a first. <laughs> honestly, I have no opinion. Honestly, the fact that they match their doom date, their release dates, it doesn't, it just seems like, eh, it was habit. And then a whole lot of the memes came out in it. That's why they probably stuck it around. Even though with everything coming down, with everything going on in the world, honestly, I have not, I don't have the money for either of them, but I would love to play both of them. Yeah, with all the work, it just just felt so like, wholesome, to be honest. And also, I, I played Animal Crossing, and I played Doom Eternal. Both are great games, and and I'm glad that that I'm able to play them almost like at the same time during like this situation with the with the lockdowns and all that. And it just feels like, oh yeah, it's something a bit bit positive in this kind of hour of uh, a little bit of darkness, you know? It just feels like so great. I just wanted to break that up real fast because I didn't want to wait wait another week if you guys talked about it or not. Yeah, who knows? But that's something that could be on the next podcast. So if there's any gaming topic you would like us to talk about, be sure to reach out to us on Twitter at TSB underscore gamers or myself at FM James Vincent using the hashtag TSB Gamecast. That's at TSB underscore gamers or at FM James Vincent using the hashtag TSB Gamecast. You can also reach out to us on Discord using the TSB Gamecast text channel. Visit our website at tsbgamers.org to join. We'll see you next time. So long.